Welcome to another episode of Green Planet Blue Planet Podcast. I am Julian Gudelai and this is Green Planet Blue Planet Podcast, where you get to hear the stories and insights from entrepreneurs, social change makers, and artists displaying how each and everyone's uniqueness makes this planet worth living on. For more, check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com. Today with us is author and transformational coach Sarah Norad. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Julian. Thank you for welcoming me. Well, thank you for being here. I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, and let's kick it off with our first question. Sarah, what, how do you usually start into your day? Like what, what gets you going in the morning and what, how do you get into your flow? Oh, well, it really depends on the day. Um, oftentimes, <laughs> the very initial beginning is just as soon as I wake up, uh, words start to come through me. And uh, my practice often is to uh, write a poem first thing in the morning. Um, usually it comes while I'm still lying in bed and haven't even op opened my eyes up. And that is the beginning of my flow. To me, that is something that I call the muse moving through me. And that is oftentimes my inspiration for the day and for the path that I need to take that day. And then from there, um, usually I'll uh, just do very normal things, get up and, <laughs> get up and uh, make hot water and lemon and uh, do a sit. I try to sit every day, every morning before um, my world begins and things get busy and I have excuses to not do it. I sit down on my cushion and um, I have a meditation practice that's uh, from the Shambhala lineage of Buddhism. Beautiful, yeah. And uh, so I sit and breathe for a certain amount of time and um, I have a whole routine that I've developed by studying different spiritual practices over the years and um, energetic work. So I do a little bit of um, energetic work after that on myself just to clear my channels and make sure I'm not bringing old baggage into this day. And so that I can be really open to life as it appears and happens in the now. Wow. That's like an elaborate morning routine. So you, you've kind of, that's part of your evolution is, is, is this like listening deep inside what, what wants to come to you first thing when you wake up with a poem in, in your mind? I do. Yeah, I do. I try to wake up with a purpose every morning. And it's not, try is really probably not the right word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more like I choose to wake up with purpose in the morning. I want to wake up and feel alive and feel like there's a very good reason for me to be here. Wow. So basically your your intention is set so clearly on that that would you would you be able to say like it's it's almost like you're able to hear the purpose of everyone? You know, like you you're aware to, to let that come through? Yes, that's totally. I would say that for sure, because it's not like it is a choice. What my, I believe it's a choice. I believe all of our purpose is a choice. Um, but I also think that there is a calling in the universe of things that want to happen collectively. And I feel like that purpose changes daily. It can change minutely. And I feel like as far as being the best human being that I can possibly be, if I can offer the purpose that both I and the universe are in line with every day, then I'm living my life to the fullest. And um, if it's my last day, then that's okay. Wow. That brings up a question that that's kind of just makes me curious. Do you dream about that as well? Like, do you sometimes take this from dream awareness into kind of the waking state? I do certainly. I sometimes I joke that like actually I do my most work while I'm sleeping, and, and <laughs> yeah. it often feels that way. Um, I'm a very active dreamer. Um, I remember my dreams. Um, I've worked with that too. You know, like. Uh, building up uh, my recall and recording them at first and now I just it's almost I feel like when I dream I go into another realm where I'm working on things that are maybe outside of the physical realm that I live in during the day mm -hmm. and 
oftentimes it's almost like I do the work in my dreams so that I can then wake up and be clear in the physical world. That makes total sense to me, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of the, the, the state of consciousness that we experience in the dream realm and how we kind of bring this into life and how it's a, a fluid transition according to, to a lot of... Uh, well, a lot of native teachings around the world actually have this perspective in the dream world and um, something I'm personally very inclined to, to practice and, and elaborate on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very... There's a. I would be so sad if I didn't delve into the the richness of the dream world because I think from there we can get so much inspiration, but we also just get so much joy. It's like if 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 I don't get to remember my dreams, then it's like seven hours or how many hours I sleep a night that it's just I've checked out. It's like I've actually gone to sleep. Right. I don't want to go to sleep. When I go to when I go to bed, I actually want to wake up even more. And I think that's often the work that I try to do while I'm sleeping. Wow. That's an unplanned direction for this conversation right off the bat. I, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I, I, um, I, totally, I totally resonate with that personally. I feel like our bodies are um, certainly resting and there's a, a bodily function that does need to sleep. Yet our consciousness, the way I experience it, is, is on a continued journey in, in the dream realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure, and a, and a journey without the physical limitations of this body, time, and space that we seem to want to keep in the daily world. Um, but all of a sudden, when we're dreaming, uh, actually much more is possible, or we allow much more to be possible. Mm-hmm. Do you ever experience like a, a, a forecast in a dream? I, I know that a lot of native teachings are um, talking about the dream on like forecasting or predicting what's possible in the next waking state. Hmm. I don't know that I would say I experience like a a forecast of actually what's going to happen next in the human world. Um, what I do get through dreams is um, stories. And I actually pick up, it's became clear to me that it's not something that I ask for, but I actually dream other people's history. And um, I realized that this was true when I was about 21 and living in Portugal. And I slept, the night I slept with a good friend, and he had gone through a horrific time in uh, Bali where he had been imprisoned. And I didn't know this. It was a a new friend of mine. We had started working at uh, the same restaurant. And anyways, throughout the night, I, I dreamed about his experience in prison in Bali. And... When I woke up, I was sweaty and I was, I just felt this like desire to take care of him. And, and I woke him up and I was like, oh my goodness, I just had this dream about you, blah, blah, blah. And I told him the whole story and he looked at me like white as a ghost. It's like, how did you know that? I don't tell that to anybody. And I was like, I, I just dreamed it. Wow. Mind blowing. Yeah. That's that's powerful stuff, Sarah. I um let me kind of take it from that place of the stories and the histories of other people and the stories you that you receive in the dream world to that your work that you're doing in, in this in this waking world. So what are you working towards and, and how does it look for you? Uh, I think the end goal probably always changes. I don't know if I, that I have an end goal because I feel like I'm just I'm trying to do as much as I possibly can with what I have every moment. Um, the feeling that I have about um, where I'm going and what I want to offer is a safe and loving space. Um, for people to wake up into truth more and more. And I'm willing to do that with people in a variety of ways. Um, and I'm really lucky that I get to do it through writing. 
Um, I get to write magazine articles, and I get to write poetry that I share. And in that sense, I get to share truth that hopefully allows other people to be in their truth more. Um, and when I work one-on-one -on -one with people, too, it's... My vision is that we all begin to live the life that we dream instead of the life that we fear. And I think that that's possible no matter your circumstances. I don't think we have to have a perfect life. I think we can be suffering immensely and we can have hardships. But we can transform from within to a state of freedom. And that's what I want people to know and understand. Is that no matter, no matter the adversity, no matter where we end up, no matter how little or how much we've done, at any moment we can wake up to the freedom and joy of just being fully alive and fully in love with ourselves and with life and each other. Beautiful. I know why we're talking right now. This is this is this is such a powerful statement and commitment that you just shared. It's very resonating in my heart as well. Is this helping people to spread their uniqueness and to find this place of yes of joy inside? Yes. Wow. So that's a huge benefit to the world for you to be fully unleashed in this force of nature that that you are in your writing and as an author and as a personal and transformational coach. So, to get this a little bit more playful, what superhero are you? Because this is a superpower you just shared there. I don't know, I mean, I love Wonder Woman. <laughs> of course. <laughs> because she has these gorgeous bracelets that I, really, that I often wear. Um, yeah, I wish everybody could see Sarah right now. You're wearing this beautiful gold necklace and earrings. And I can see a Wonder Woman in you. I don't have my bracelets on today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the superhero that I would be would be somebody who's not afraid to show themselves. So it would be a woman that shows up big in the world and can do whatever she wants to do and empowers other well, others while she does it. So that as we become brighter and bigger human beings with whatever superpowers we have, we don't suppress anybody else because of that. We actually raise each other up. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a true superpower, is when you enable others to show their superpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And doesn't that doesn't that make the world so much more amazing? Like I wanna walk around and see other people's superpowers. I don't wanna see the things that Sometimes we have to see the things that hold us back first before we know our superpowers, but I'd rather people shine brightly than feel little or small. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's do this, Sarah. Did you consciously choose to be on this path, or, or how, did you, how did you get to this place? Like, what, what kind of initiated and started that for you? So I guess <laughs> I always had a really hard time decided what, deciding what I wanted to be, and I was, I've always been like ferociously independent and self-motivated, and throughout schooling I managed to get into different um, courses and um, schools that allowed me to pretty much take my work and do it on my own. and. Um, finish like a year and half a year and then be able to work and do my own thing. Um, and so in school I found it really hard trying to, when it became like career time, like what do you want to do with the rest of your life and choose. Um, so I decided to not choose and instead I decided to go, as soon as I finished school, go traveling. So at 18, I moved, I think I had like $1,000 or $2,000. I moved to Australia. I bought a plane ticket and I landed in 
really seedy place of Sydney. Uh, they put, for some reason, the, the woman who organized things, the travel agent, well, pretty much the only time I've ever had a travel agent, she set me up in King's Cross, which is like the red light district. And I'm this 18-year-old girl from Canada, you know, like, wasn't even, like, allowed to drink here. Had, like, really no experience of the world outside of, like, I had done an exchange in Mexico in school, but besides that, I hadn't traveled at all. And I was completely by myself, and I was in the the red light district. In Sydney, Australia. In Sydney, Australia, in this massive wow. city. Yeah. And I remember the first night I phoned my mom from the payphone in the hostel that I was in, and I just cried. I, oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? Where am I? This, I'm so sensitive. And it was just really overwhelming. And, uh, I bet, yeah. Yeah, it was really, and I thought, okay, like, but I've always been really good at picking myself up after, after a crisis or after, if things don't work out the way that I thought they were going to do. I've always been really good at going, okay, what next? So the next day I took a bus out to one of the beaches and as soon as I got over the, um, the cliff to look out down to the beach, I just knew. So I just followed my intuition and my gut. And the message that came through for me was, this is where you need to live. And I was like, okay. So I got off, I started like walking around looking for signs of like houses for rent and I found one and um, ended up taking one of the guys from the hostel and we rented a room there together and yeah, I ended up staying eight months in Sydney when I thought that I was maybe only going to stay a week. I really had no plans and um, that was the beginning of about five years of living in other places. Yeah. So you're you're hewing to adventure since early age. Yes, totally. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think meeting such a variety of different people and living in such a variety of different countries allowed me to see that there's uh, not one way of life. There's there's many. And what we think will make us happy often doesn't. And people who are really poor are often more happy than people who are really rich. And I wanted to know more about that. Why when I had nothing and was sitting on a beach somewhere, why did I feel so rich and powerful? So I guess it kind of began with questions. Very, I ask a lot of questions. Wow. Yeah, there is, there is this philosophy to life that the quality of life that you live depends on the quality of questions you ask. Mm. And that's uh, something that certainly guides me personally. And I, I, yeah, I see myself in your story there, Sarah, because I also, as a very young teenager, started traveling the world and couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. So would you say you consciously chose to then express those questions and start writing? Or how did, how did that turn? help you become an author and a writer and a, and a, and a coach at some point? Um, well, I never, I actually never planned on becoming a writer ever. Nice. Nor did I plan on becoming a coach ever or helping people with transformation until more recently. And uh, because I had to go through so much transformation on my own. And I think what traveling and living in all these different places was really building up for me was the idea that we do transform all the time. We shape shift, we have the ability to do so, we have the ability to feel home everywhere. Um, so I guess traveling kind of really informed that. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Well, absolutely. I feel like, you know, we live in this world where our minds and our collective minds wants this security and wants this, this um, how do I plan for the next step? What, what do I have to do? You, you just said it yourself. When you were a teenager, the society around you almost wanted you to choose what, what to do and what to be. And oh, yeah. I had scholarships to go into. Like, I thought I was going to go into medical school. Everybody thought, oh, she's so bright. You know, like, she's just going to do this and it's going to be amazing. And everything felt very much. Like, I started working for the government when I was 13. I only had to oh, wow. be at school for half days because I did so well. And so, and I was a very good girl and um, was very sweet and I didn't need a lot of care from the world. I 
took care of myself very, very well from a very young age. Um, but going back to what you asked me about, like, how did I get into writing? Because now, actually, I can, I can kind of trace it back because everywhere I traveled, I kept journals. I have these journals, which at times I thought of burning because I thought, oh goodness, like <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever read that. <laughs> and I think I like I, I feel like I probably repeated myself so many times throughout these journals, but I still have them. And that was always a practice for me of journaling. And so I think from there, and and I've always been an observer. Like that's what like I one of the, my favorite things was traveling to places where I actually had no I didn't understand the language at all, and I would just go and sit and listen to people and observe because if I didn't actually understand what they were saying, I could get a way better sense of like who they were <clears throat> on a different level. Yeah. And, uh, but I do remember at one point, I think when I was 23, a boyfriend saying to me, like, you're going to be a writer. And I think we had a conversation and I said, yeah, I want to write a book. And, but I for completely forgot about it. And then when I started writing, like, uh, professionally in the last couple of years, he actually connected to me on Facebook and said, you're doing it. Finally. Finally. <laughs> I was like, oh, I couldn't even, I didn't even remember that I had set the intention back then, but the intention was there, for sure. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what's so interesting for me as listening to you share this story is that this illusion that we have to plan for things is very widespread in our society and so true. And of course I enjoy planning every now and then, but it's it's more a it's it's more a um, a helpful part of this life is to plan how to spend next weekend. Mm -hmm. But for the bigger things in life as as you just shared, there is there's not a lot of conscious planning but more intention setting and how, how do you like how do you see the word intention? Like what is what is intention what does it create? What does it make space for? Well I feel like perhaps our spirit had an intention already when we first came here. Like that was decided before we came into these these bodies this time. And so, I, so having that intention previously before we incarnated, there is a mission that our souls are on. And that does actually, I guess you can say unconsciously, um, carries our life. So like what you said, we don't need to plan as much as we think we plan because actually everything that I've done in my life has built me up to this point. And I tried to commandeer my life at times, very strongly, and it fell apart. Oh, every time it fell apart. Every time it fell apart. There's been so many times where everything in my life has fallen apart, and I've had to recreate something new, and the grief around that was immense at times. But now I, I guess I'm at a point where it's like, when things don't work out, I realize that it's a reason, and that is actually bringing me to the next step. And that there's an, a limitless amount of opportunities for us to begin again, and for us to actually live what our sole purpose is. Limitless, I like that. Limitless possibilities to express our sole purpose. It's powerful what you just shared a couple minutes ago there. You said that in the mornings, remember you said you, you wake up and you make space, you listen, you're, you're rising in awareness to let come through what wants to come through you for this unique day. So for me that, that really is kind of uh, connected there to see like the daily purpose aligns with the bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful, very powerful uh, practice you hold here. Well, I think that if we, when we look at it from the um, broader picture, that we are all, we're all connected. Everything is interdependent. I've studied Buddhism for about 20 years now, and um, I have both a Buddhist name and a and a name in the Kundalini Yoga lineage too. Um, and that's the beliefs that I've read and learned about through, through that has also matched with my own feeling that um, 
there's an interdependence with everything. Everything is interdependent in life. I mean, you look at nature, um, and everything relies on the other thing that's next to it. We're all feeding each other. We're all nourishing each other. And so how could my purpose not be the purpose of the universe? It has to be. There's just, I mean, I can try to make my purpose different, but it's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be that fun. It's not going to be that fun now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, I love I love where you're taking this, Sarah, because this this for me is really truly um, one of those um, yeah one of those pillars inside my own belief box for for where I'm at right now is is everything is so connected. We do live we have this privilege to live on this green planet, this blue planet, on, on a shared journey. So yeah, how how could all of our purpose not be also interconnected? Mm-hmm. On that note, let me let me ask you a very far out question and just take it however it, it uniquely arises in this evolutionary moment. What is consciousness to you? Consciousness to me is it's like an all prevailing presence. Um, I don't believe it is. Uh, held by one person, I believe it's it's um, an experience of the universe. I believe we're all born conscious, and then we forget. And so, a lot of the work that I do and have done in my life, and what I like to inspire in other people, is that we're just remembering. We're just remembering our consciousness. We're remembering that we were actually born in an awake state. And the conditioning and uh, societal norms and cultural norms have put blocks around the ability for us to feel free. And so consciousness is remembering to me that we are free, that we, that we do live in a limitless universe, and that we can be ever-expanding in love and light if we so choose. And it's about choice. Wow, it's about choice. I, uh, I resonate with that deeply. Let's bring it back down to planet Earth mm-hmm. for the next question here. Yes. How did you grow up? I know you already shared a little bit about when you were a teenager. Yeah. But how did you grow up, and how did that influence your journey? Certainly. Yeah. Um, I love. I love. I actually love this question because I really like. I'm very proud of. Um, how I grew up. I'm very proud that, so I was born in a very small camp, which was actually um, a logging town in the Nimkish Valley. And You're in British Columbia? Here in British Columbia, on the island, yeah, on Vancouver Island. I was born in a hospital that was about 45 minutes from the camp that we lived in. Um, and that, I think that informed a wildness about me. Um, this place is, is uh, I like to say that like the mountains and the trees and they just, it speaks louder than the people. There's this awe-inspiring um, presence out there. And I felt that at a very young age. I just remember staring out into the wilderness and just realizing that there was just so much out there. Um, and it was a very, it was a logging camp. So, you know, I guess you could say you're kind of a more redneck town, you know, everybody, but everybody was a salt of the earth and supported each other. And I think at that point, I might get it wrong, but I believe there's probably about 200 people that lived there. And we all had, um, we all lived in trailers that were bought by the, by the, um, the company. I think it was Canfor at the time. So your parents worked for the logging company? Uh, no, they worked for, um, the telecommunications company. So my father was putting in telecommunications lines, and um, so we weren't loggers ourselves, but we lived amongst loggers. Um, so yeah, I kind of grew up with, with having that part of me. My father was really more kind of the outdoorsman. Uh, the lineage of my family on his side a lot is um, trappers and uh, hunters in New Brunswick. So I learned how to yeah. So I learned how to fish, and I actually feel like that's very much in my blood. Like I wanted to go up to the north uh, when I was twenty-five. I almost did it and started studying trapping, and uh, I feel it. Like I feel it in my genetics. 
um, this call to the wild and to just live off the land and uh, to be a hunter. That's kind of the interesting, yeah, stirring in my soul from that side of the family. That, that, that makes total sense there. The, the Wonder Woman warrior spirit that grows up in the wild. Eh? Yeah, right. wow. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and then we moved down to the city uh, when I was quite young, though, too. And so I got that experience, and uh, my father and mother are very different people. So it was like, hopefully my dad didn't get upset about this, but I always say like my dad's the redneck, my mom's the hippie. So I, I grew up with a redneck and a hippie. And, um, and I literally remember, so my parents actually separated uh, or divorced when I was five. And I literally remember one weekend going to uh, protests um, for Canford, the logging company um, that we had camp that we had lived in, um, to promote clear cutting. They wanted to keep doing clear cutting. I remember wearing a sign promoting clear cutting and I was like very young. I, I didn't, I just kind of was going along with what my parents told me. And then, and then the next weekend, literally with my other parent going to free clap up sound protests. So against clear cutting and against that kind of logging. So that, that was very much, wow. yeah. You were kind of the balance between the two extremes, almost. I always felt like a mediator in my family and upbringing. Like I felt like I was the kind of the alchemist between the different sides. Um, so it also that also kind of allowed me to disappear a lot. I, I didn't show up very seen. I was very kind of quiet and nice and easy to take care of and pleasant and tried to make people feel good and. Um, I have a brother, and my brother and I are very different. He was more the wild boy and got into lots of trouble, and he was always the going concern, and I was the one that just kind of sat in the background, I feel like. So, that, uh, yeah, that was my early experience of being a, an observer, I think, too, and really just um, watching, watching people and places and different ideas about life. And, yeah. Wow, that's super insightful. I feel like, if I may say that, it's it's almost like now that I know that, the poetry that I, I read of yours and, and, and your, your, your spoken word and written word, it's like a full circle for me because there is this between the two extremes, right? You also shared with us that as a teenager then you, you went abroad and you, you realized how all these different cultures do all these different things and they're often very opposing, right? And often people that feel like they should be poor because they're materially speaking they're, they're poor, but they feel so rich. And one can feel so rich sitting amongst the trees and watching the sunset or the ocean. And yeah, I feel like the words that come through you really, really speak and are seen for how how much more balance we can we can achieve as this as this species at this point when we we let the polar opposites kind of meld together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, also too when we can hold space for different belief systems and different ways of being, we get to learn from these people. <laughs> And wouldn't it be a shame if we just stayed in judgment and thought my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way? Because we miss out on this amazing wisdom and teachings. And I think that's something that we need to remember too, that there is, yeah, there's, there's not one way. There's not one way. My parents are very different people. My brother and I are very different people, but got brought up in the same household. Um, I'm no more right than they are. They're no, no more right than I am. And, uh, and we can still come together and have fun and be inspire each other. Absolutely. Isn't that also a Buddhist truth that you're always both partially right? Mm, totally. Yeah, there's and it's that and that there is no good or bad. Like there is no right or wrong. It is always just something that's happening. And then the next thing happens. And I think that comes back to choice too. Like we make a choice and then we just make the next choice and then we just make the next choice and I think I felt so much pressure when I was young to decide on what I wanted to do for the rest of my life 
that it became almost stifling. And there's definitely times where I experienced deep depression because I thought that it was a big decision. But what I've come to realize is that it, it, it's just one choice, and then you see how that choice feels, and then you make the next choice, and then you make the next mm-hmm. choice, and it just builds on each other. Beautiful. Let me ask you, because you're obviously a very busy person and a very deeply spirited person. How do you prioritize family, friends, and work? Like, How does it look for you, and how do you make space for all of that? I try to check in regularly with myself. Um, I kind of see finding balance as also a transformational tool for me, um, which changes. And I try to look at everything in my life kind of as work, like even relationships and spending time with my family and friends or sitting by the ocean um, it's all it's all juice that can be used for my life so I guess I try not to delineate between this is work and this is play and so then my work then becomes playful as well and that's helped me um, feel more balanced it's helped me feel more fulfilled um, I definitely have a lot of empathic traits and I sense a lot um, so I do need time on my own and sometimes quite a bit and then I can come back into the world with something new so self-care is massive for me um, I had to realize how to love myself I'm not trying to be like that I had to love myself first before I could love somebody else because I don't believe that's true we can love at all the times even if we're abusing ourselves but for me it's been such a juicy journey to fall in love with myself and I have these nights where I'm like, I'm romancing myself tonight. And I like, so romancing self is actually a big word that I tell myself. And so I, it just, instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, not hang out with people tonight or I'm going to not work today because I need a day off. I choose to make it active and be like, I'm romancing myself today. And it becomes very sensual. And everything I do that day, then I have a bath and I like feel my skin and I really enjoy the bath. And I make food and I'm like, oh, I'm, it's like I'm my own lover. I'm making food for my lover, but I'm the lover. And You're your own beloved in that, in that place. Exactly, exactly. Wow. So, yeah, that gives me a lot of juice. Nice. Yeah. So I want to go back to to your writing, and so from this place that you just explained, this place that like fills you up, where your cup is full and overflowing. Um, like, obviously, that that also creates the space for your writing, right? So tell us a little more about what you're working on, or or I know that you just you just wrote a book. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Well, the book isn't finished yet. Um, it's sitting with a publishing company right now. Um, but uh, that came about really, really magically, actually. Um, I was going uh, up to Tofino, and um, my partner at the time had been bugging me about, like, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? And I was writing lots of magazine articles and poetry and doing copywriting for other people. And, um, I didn't ever feel like I had to write a book. Like I was like, I'm not. Didn't feel like I had to appease my own ego or anything by writing a book. And it's a big undertaking. And I kind of get frustrated with him because I was like, you know, just leave it. Like it's not really something that I want to do right now. I have no feeling to do it. I'm happy with what I'm doing and creating. And but inside of me, I was kind of sitting, I think, in fear around that. Like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough to write a book, or maybe, maybe I actually don't have anything to say, or maybe I'll look stupid. So I think those things were like underpinning my frustration with being asked. And then we went on this trip up to Tofino, and he was asking me about it in the car, and I was like, leave it. And I said, you know. If it com- if it comes to me clearly, I will do it. And it was a very like 
transformational weekend. Uh, lots of we did lots of um, rituals at the beach, and we did a lot of meditation and. Um, I'm a big believer in spirit animals, and uh, eagle to me is a big one. And I saw eagles everywhere. And his was a different animal, and we saw his animal everywhere. So it just felt like there, there was a charge that was happening, and it was my birthday weekend, actually. And there was a charge that was happening. And I was sitting in our cabin on the couch, just looking out at the ocean, and just quietly and then all of a sudden it came through the title of the book just like zoom and and I looked at him and I, oh my god it just came and he's like what and I was like yeah no I, I know what the title of the book is now and he was like okay and I told him and he's like oh I like it you know like that's exciting la 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 and then he's like well what about I'm like nope nothing more I don't want to talk about it that's what came through right now that's it and then when we were driving back, um, he was asking me like, so, you know, what it, like, what it, when are you gonna do it? And what is it gonna, like, have you thought about what it's gonna be about and blah, blah, blah. And I just said, no. I said, I am not, so the titles come through, but I will not write this book unless I get a clear call to do it. And I said it out loud. Two days later, I got an email from a publishing company, from the head acquisitions editor, who I'd never met before. Um, and this was a company in the States. And she said, I've been following your writing. Uh, we really like what you do, especially this and that. And we're wondering if you have a book for us. And I was like, what? <laughs> you were asking for a sign and it yeah. was calling you. Yeah, the clear call came and she the book that she requested as well was like she's like I you know want something about spirituality like and I like these articles that you write and that's exactly it was just very similar to the title that came through. So I wrote back to her and said, uh, yeah, I do have a book for you. Which I didn't. <laughs> but you had a title. But I had a title. Yes. Yeah. So then I proceeded to write the first half of the book. And yeah, they're sitting with it. And uh, yeah, so I'm waiting to hear if I need to change it or alter it in any way. And yeah, you want to share the title with us right now? The working title? <laughs> uh, the working title right now is called Then We Transform. Then We Transform? Then We Transform. Yes. And it's about conscious transformation. Um, it's about how to become free in each moment of our lives and how we don't need anything to do that besides a, a new view and lens of the world and how, and how we do that simply. So that's the basis of it. Beautiful. I can't wait to read it, actually. I feel like... And then we transform. Transformational living is... As part of this journey of our authentic showing up for ourselves, showing up for the world, sharing and spreading our uniqueness. And it's a steady transformational mm -hmm. process. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, like we were talking about, even just as we sat down before this podcast, the, the, the thing about ourselves changing all the time. And we are in a constant state of transformation. It, biologically, we just are. It's a biological truth. And then if you go that to the actual personal spiritual level, which I believe it's all connected anyways, we're all constantly transforming. Nothing stays the same. Nothing. And that's a big Buddhist belief too. Everything will change. Nothing's permanent. Um, so let's get used to it. <laughs> let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy the fact that <laughs> right? Instead yeah. of fighting it. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So, Sarah, if you had an apprentice in your field, an apprentice, an apprentice writer, let's say, what would you tell that person? What are three lessons you would want to pass on? Just do it. <laughs> the Nike, Nike logo, whatever tagline. Well, that tagline really nailed it in many ways. Just do it. Just do it. Like, really, just do it. Like, like that's that's the first step. Oh, I thought that was all three. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be all three. Like, yeah. I mean, you, that's really all you need. Really, it's like 
do it. Stop talking about it. I mean, talking about it is good, but do it. Mm -hmm. Take that chance because if you don't start creating, it won't get created. It's going to get created by somebody else too. There's that energy in the world that's happening and the energy just wants us to, to use it. Mm -hmm. So we just, and as we just do it, we become less fearful of failure because if, if it doesn't work out, we just do the next thing. And I think there's like this, also I guess, it doesn't have to be perfect. That's, just do it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Get so hung up, at least I did, like I was a perfectionist. And it doesn't have to be perfect. What we have to offer, it's actually best if it's not. It's actually best if it's very human, very real, slightly faulted, and there's holes in it. Because that's what we all connect to. We don't connect to something plastic, and we connect to something that's malleable and changing. So if we offer something that we have, and it's not perfect, but we offer it, we're doing... 99% more work than most people are in this world because they're too afraid to offer what they have. Powerful. So if you ever wanted some free coaching from Sarah, just do it. <laughs> it doesn't need to be perfect. <laughs> and the last one, um, hmm. be who you are. Be who you are. Which can change. It can grow. It should change and grow all the time. Um, but who you are is a unique expression of the divine and of the universal energy and of the universal purpose. And it comes through you in one particular way. That's different than it comes through me in my particular way. And if we're not who we are, then the world is missing something beautiful that it needs and it needs all of us yes this world wants all of us to express our unique yes. unique superhero power it does and I want to know it I want to know everybody's superpower I want to know the uniqueness beautiful Since this is a podcast called Green Planet, Blue Planet, what, what do you prefer? Ocean water or lake water? Ocean water. Ocean water? Yeah. The cold Pacific Ocean? Uh, I like the cold Pacific <laughs> <laughs> I love heat. Nice. I pretty much chased the summer for five years and I still find the winters challenging here. I like the freshness of the Pacific Ocean, but I do enjoy warmer oceans too. Got it. Mm -hmm. Sarah, what are you reading right now and what was the book before? Mm. What I'm reading right now is Sex Object and it's uh, by um, a female journalist, a feminist, um, and it's talking about her experience of being a woman in the world and um, it's something that I think about a lot because I felt a lot of shame around being a woman and being a sexy woman and um, my previous feelings of needing to hide that because of the tension that it brought and the shame around um, being sexualized for it. Um, so, yeah, it's a. I'm gonna remember the author's name. Um, Jessica Valenti is the author. Jessica Valenti? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's something that I've been thinking about and want to work more on because. It comes back to, for me, this this book and the work that I'm doing in the world, too, is to stop, is to let go of fear and worry so that we don't see other people as being threatening. Other, mm -hmm. we, we actually just see each other as being supportive. And I feel like women have seen others as threatening for so many years. And I really feel like we need to not do that anymore. And I feel like we do that by becoming very empowered within ourselves and not living in shame. Wow. And the last book that I read, um, oh, let's see. What is it? Well, I'm also reading this uh, a poetry book by Rilke right now, a new translation. Rana Maria Rilke? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so I usually read a bunch of books at the same time. Yeah. And yeah, that's a, a, another one of them. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It's always inspiring. Um, not just for me. I know a lot, a lot of people love to read, love to listen to audiobooks. So it's like a, an ongoing suggestion. What, what are we all reading? What should we, should we be reading mm-hmm. to dive deeper? Mm-hmm. Right? So this is going to be the last question, and the question that really inspired me actually to um, host this podcast and create this podcast. And my plan and, my, and my, my vision is to ask this question to a lot of people on this planet from all over the world. So I'm, I'm super curious, Sarah, about your answer. If we had a 200-year vision for planet Earth, what would yours look like? So I'm a person that works with actually vision a lot. I get a lot of messages that come through visually, and usually that's often what I write from, is I get visualizations and I get senses in my body. Um, And then from there I, I move with creating something solid. And when you say that to me, what I, I, I do see, it's very interesting, I see almost uh, avatar-like people. So like almost these, we're becoming um, these beings that learn how to live in love completely. And by doing that, we're healing the earth and we're healing each other. Um, and we're creating a home here that's sustainable for everyone in which we can each live our passion, whatever that be, and support each other. Um, It would be a place where judgment doesn't reside, where we don't fight against each other anymore. We support each other. Where we become very, very brave and courageous with saying no to the things that don't serve us and leaning into living the biggest life that we possibly can, which I believe is in sync with the changes of season um, and our environment also. Beautiful. Let's let that sink in. Wow. Well, thank you, Sarah, for sharing so much inspiration with us. I super appreciated you taking the time. And um, I'm looking forward to exploring more and deeper into that wisdom that you shared with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julian, for asking me to be here. And it's it's always a pleasure to talk with you.